we have gathered in your presence in this sanctuary that you have built for yourself. You have always touched us. Our prayer is that it will be the same today. That none of us will live here empty. That as we live here, we will be better prepared to meet you. Whether you come by day or by night. Thank you, Abba Father, as you speak to each and every one of us through your word. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. I welcome each and every one of us for honoring God's word. God's word tells us, never neglect the gathering of the saints. And any time you come and we gather together with other saints, you are honoring God's word. My prayer is the blessing of obedience to God's word will continually be the portion of each and every one of us in Jesus' name. Our theme for the year remains prepare to meet thy God. But our topic for consideration this morning is rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. This is how we will go. We do a brief introduction with reference to the passage we have read. And then we try to address the question very quickly. Why did the master tell them, Do not rejoice that the demons are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven? Why that statement? We'll be looking at it. And then we will also consider the second question before we run to conclusion. And the second question will be, who should rejoice? Is this statement or offer made to everybody or are there qualifications? Are there things that need to be in place before we start rejoicing? How have we been rejoicing? How have we fed? What are those things that we rejoice over? Have we set our priorities right? And then we will conclude. Praise the Lord. Our text is taken from the book of Luke. Chapter 10, verse 8 to 20. We have already read the text, so we'll just make reference to it and run. Now, if you go to the book of Luke, starting from chapter 9, he first sent the twelve disciples to go on mission work. And they went and came back, and they performed miracles and did other things in the name of Jesus, healing the sick, raising the dead, and preaching the gospel all in his name. And amongst them, I want you to note particularly, was Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot. And then in chapter 10, he went ahead to send other 70 disciples to, uh, into a number. And that brings out the essence of going and going all over again to a particular place to share the word of God. Like we are doing at Ama for Ihok, but at a time some people might begin to think we are 
um, spending too much time or resources in one particular place. No, it is not true. If you look at the way Jesus Christ organized and carried out his ministry, as well as the other apostles that followed forth, Apostle Paul will always go over and over, first, second, third missionary journey to the same place to make sure that those people are firmed up. It's not just enough to give birth to a child. You have to make sure that you nurture that child into maturity. Praise the Lord. And so he sent out 70 again after the first 12. And the 70 went out and came back also successful. But they were carried away by the fact that demons were subject to them. They were able to heal all manner of sicknesses, cast away demons all in the name of the Lord. And the master said to them something that is significant in Luke, that Luke passage, verse 20. He said, do not rejoice that the demons are subject to you. But for this I want you to rejoice. That your names are written in heaven. And that should be our primary reason for rejoicing anytime we get rejoicing. If you look at the whole scripture, there is consistency. The Bible tells us that for every single soul that repents, there is joy in heaven. It doesn't tell us when we build houses or acquire certificates and all that. And that was what the Master Jesus was trying to bring out. He wants them to set their priorities right. And the same thing he's saying to us even in this time and age. Because a lot of us have got our priorities turned upside down. We set the cart before the horse. And little wonder, we are all stumbling in our walk with God. And God wants it corrected this morning in Jesus' name. What was he saying? He was not saying that healing the sick or casting out demons was not okay. was not good. But he was saying, look, over and above these things, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, if you go further down to Luke chapter 7, there's an encounter I want to call to our remembrance. When John the Baptist was in the prison, he sent two of his disciples to Jesus to go and inquire of him. Are you the Messiah or should we be expecting another one? And Jesus said to him, Go and tell John the Baptist that the lames are walking, the blinds are seeing. Go and tell John the Baptist that the gospel is being preached to the poor. The lepers are healed. Blessed is that one who is not offended on account of me. So, if you look at this scripture, you see, Jesus is saying that the works that I do, the fruits that I bear, they are confirmation of who I say I am. So, he's not saying that doing miracle is not okay. But now, if you take it a little further in that chapter, chapter 7, Luke 7. When the disciples of John went back, Jesus turned to his own disciples and said, Do you see this man, John the Baptist? There is no prophet that has come before him that is not greater. And if you look at the same account in Matthew chapter 11, Matthew put it this way, There is no man born of woman that John the Baptist was not greater. But he says something that is very striking. I want you to take note of it. But he, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God, is greater than John the Baptist. What is he saying? If your name is written in the book, or written in heaven, 
like our, our passage says, you are greater than John the Baptist, who is greater than Abraham, greater than Isaac, greater than uh, Jacob, greater than Elijah and Elisha with double anointing, greater than Isaiah, greater than Solomon in all his wisdom and all his affluence, greater than King David. What is the master actually trying to convey? I hope his disciples did understand. And I hope we will understand it this morning. He's saying, if you are here, you cannot eat. You can't feed yourself. You can't pay for your rent. You can't pay for school fees. You don't have money for your medical bills. But your name is written in heaven. That you are greater than that man who is the richest man. Bill Gates, Dan Gote, name them. If you are here and your name is written in heaven, you are greater than the wisest man. Was it Plato, Aristotle, anybody has a, or Einstein, whatever. If your name is written, the least in the kingdom of God is greater than the wisest. The least in the kingdom of God is greater than the richest. The least in the kingdom of God is greater than the strongest. The least in the kingdom of God is greater than the man who performed all the miracles. Yes, when you come to a town like G Lake, everybody there is healed. The word of God is telling us today, these things are good, it's not condemning them. But in all your pursuits, in all your seeking, make sure that your name is written in that book. And that is what the master wants to convert to us. If you don't get any other thing, try and get this. That in all your pursuits, and that reminds me as I was preparing. I happened to be in Oka when Professor Kennedy K. was being laid to ground. And uh, as they were reading his resume, they said he had about 17 degrees, if I'm not mistaken. And I looked at it. I just asked myself, this is what we all crave for. Certificate, degrees upon degrees. This man is being led to ground, buried. The wife cannot use any of the 17 degrees. The children cannot use it. His friends and even his enemies. Nobody can use it. They are all wasted. And I began to understand what people, uh, uh, Apostle Peter said. That all these things are stored up for fire. They are all stored up for fire. It is not worth it. And Solomon at the tail end of his life said, Vanity upon vanity, all is worth. We are not telling you not to aspire to have any of these things. But aspire to have them under God. And if that aspiration will remove your name from the book of life, please drop it, it's not worth it. What matters at the end is, did you make it? Whether you become a professor or become the richest man or become the most known politician or hold the presidency of the whole world, if there is anything like that, what matters most is, is your name written in that book. And that's why the master told them in that Luke 10.20, Do not rejoice that the demons are subject to you. And even if it means some of us rejoice over the spiritual powers that we have, the gift of the Holy Spirit, they are not as important as your name being written there. Some people get carried away. They are involved in ministry work, just like uh, we had in the prayer. Do not allow the ministry work to make your name be removed from that book of life. It is not worth it. Anything that we do, any, uh, any gift that you will possess, prophetic gift or whatever, utterance, that will make your name not to enter that place. It is not worth it. 
And let you wonder as we look at that passage in Matthew 7. The passage in Matthew 7 where I know we have um, referenced over and over in this uh, church. He said, Jesus said to them, Depart from me, ye worker of iniquity, for I know you not. Who are these people that Jesus was passing this comment on? They are people that have healed in his name, performed miracles, preached, done all sorts of so-called good work in his name. So if doing good work or performing any ministerial appointment will make your name be removed there, drop that thing, it's not worth it. Resign that pastoral appointment if it will make your name not to enter. That is what Jesus was saying to them and is saying to each and every one of us here. I, I hope that the Spirit of God will help us to appreciate what he's saying this morning in Jesus' name. And having said that, I want us to look at some of the things that make us rejoice. Just to assess ourselves to know whether indeed we have been setting our priorities right. One of the things I know that we all rejoice is celebrating our birthday. When each of my five kids or five children, when they clock one, I call party, invite friends, invite Christian brothers, invite uh, our relatives. We sit, eat, and drink. As a graduate or enter any stage of their education, we also celebrate and things like that. But as I was preparing, the Lord reminded me of one thing. As these children are beginning to grow up, some of them have given their lives to God. I don't even know when they, the dates that they gave their lives to God. I've never even celebrated any of them. But of all the achievements they have ever made and will ever make, the most important day is the day that they gave their life to Christ. We do not celebrate it. We celebrate birthdays. We celebrate marriages. We celebrate dedication. We celebrate all manner of things. But the things that the kingdom of God celebrates, we do not celebrate them. Am I speaking to somebody this morning? I want us to get our priorities right. We should celebrate what heaven celebrates. Unfortunately, we are taken away by the world. The standard of the world has taken us over. Yet the Bible has warned us. He has warned us that we should not be carried away. We should not be led astray by the things of the world. We are allowing the, the, the world, worldly standard to guide us even as children of God. We celebrate only the things that the world celebrates. And the things that the scripture recommends for us to celebrate, we don't. I pray that as we live here today, the Spirit of God will begin to guide us as we prioritize the things that we rejoice over. We are not saying that these things are bad, but we are saying let's put them in their right order. Let's put them in the right order that God wants them to be put. Now let me take one other example before I move to another thing that we want to share. And that is celebrating church structures. If you meet men of God, what most of them, I mean the general overseers. Oh, I'm building an auditorium of one billion. The other one will say, oh no, we just completed that of three billion. The other one say, no, we want to build the highest in the whole Africa. It will cost us a little above ten billion. 
What are you celebrating? And as you are building this church auditorium, many and many more of the members of your congregation are walking straight to hell. Some churches, when they were a hundred in number, almost everybody there is rapturable. But now they are 10,000 in number, not even one of them is rapturable. What are you doing with church structure and church growth if the people that you are growing are not heaven bound? Some 20 years or more ago, I went to one big church in Enugu. I think that was their, their headquarters then. And as the service was going on, a prophecy came. He was a driver. He said that the Lord said, I should tell this headquarter that nobody in this place is worshipping me in truth, in spirit and in truth. But as we speak today, that church is in crisis. I won't mention their name. But this happened over 20 years ago. I happened to be in service that day with them. We celebrate numbers. We celebrate church structures. We celebrate all laws. But the most important thing for us to celebrate, how many churches in Nigeria, and I dare you, in all over the world, we bring out a day in a year and say we are celebrating those that Lord has called into his household this year. But we celebrate all manner of things. Every year, January to December, celebrations all over. But the things that matter to God and matter to his kingdom, we never celebrate them. I pray that God will call us to correction in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. And now before we quickly run to a conclusion, I want us to take the second question. Who indeed should celebrate? Very important question. Like the lawyers will say, this is not an offer to the whole world. There are conditions attached. Am I right? Praise the Lord. There are conditions you have to meet for you to take that offer. Who should celebrate? The worst presumption any human being can make is to believe that his name is written in heaven when it is not. Because by the time you find out, there is absolutely nothing you can do. Make presumption on anything. Make your mistakes, but don't make this particular mistake. Because you'll find yourself in hellfire, and that's for eternity. Do not presume on God. Do not presume that your name is written in heaven, in the book of life, when it is not. We are going to be looking at a number of things that make people assume erroneously, and most pitiably, that their names are in this book of life. One of the things is the fact that they answered an altar call. As I preach this morning, if the Lord permits, we will make an altar call and people will come. As we go on evangelism, mission work, we make altar calls and a lot of people answer. But that you answer an altar call, that you are baptized, that you are confirmed, that you are ordained, maybe to bishop, it's not a guarantee that your name is written in this book of life. I thank God for one bishop. When one of my friends went to minister in their church, three-day uh, conference, a bishop of about 70 years, when the altar call was made, he came out. Said he never knew the Lord. He now knew and understand. He has served the Lord for about 50 years. 
But he was humble enough, I thank God for his grace upon his life, that after about 50 years of service, 70 years of age, to come out and surrender his life afresh. So what am I saying? That you answered an altar call some years back. That you have been baptized and possibly ordained. It's not a guarantee that your name is written in that book. As we look at the book of Acts of Apostles chapter 8, we will not go there, but you can read it later. There was a man called Simon. He was a sorcerer. The word of God said that when Philip preached the gospel in his city, that this man believed and was also baptized. He answered the call and he was baptized. But what happens after then is what determines whether indeed you believed or not. Are we together? So if you have answered altar call, you are baptized, you are confirmed, but you know the Holy Spirit is not there. In Romans 8, the Word of God tells us, those who are led by my Spirit, they are my sons, they are my daughters, they are my children and my people. Is the Holy Spirit resident in you? Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, except a man be born again, except he's born of spirit and of water, he cannot enter into the kingdom. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Have you surrendered your life or are you still in charge of your life? Who controls, who rules over your life? So that you answer utter call, but you're still in control of your life, means that you're not yet ready. Praise the Lord. And now we take one or two other things before we conclude. For some people, it is the fact that they operate in one gift of the Holy Spirit or the other. That's why I say, take note of what we said in that Luke 9 concerning Judas, Judas Iscariot. He was among the twelve disciples. And Judas Iscariot went out and he was also among those healing. That you have the gift of healing here is not a guarantee that your name is there. Except you walk faithfully to the end. Praise God. So, Judas Iscariot was among those healing. And if you follow me again to Acts of Apostles, chapter 16, I guess from verse 16 also, we hear of a slave girl, a damsel. He was slave in the spirit and slave in the body. And as Apostle Paul was going together with Silas, this lady was following them and saying, Listen to these men. They are people of God. They are saints of God. What she was saying was true. But the power, the authority to say what he was saying was coming from the pit of hell. And Apostle Paul, after a few days, turned to him and cast it away. And some of us here are running from one, one place to another because we believe that they are seen. Only one amen. Some of them get the powers from Satan. And you go and subject yourself to them. This damsel, this slave girl, was saying what was right. But the power and the authority with which she was saying what she was saying was coming from the pit of hell. And when Paul cast out the demons in her, she had no more power and authority to say it. And that reminds me, some of us here, 
You have little boys and girls, they wake up and tell you, ah, grandpa will die today, and grandpa dies. He tell you another day, you will have an accident, and you have an accident, and you start rejoicing. It might be spirit of divination. It doesn't necessarily follow. He may be seeing those things, but the power with which he is doing it may be the ancestral demon that is in your lineage that is at work in his or her life. You may call him or her for deliverance and not start rejoicing before it gets too late. Praise the Lord. Yes, there are other things. The word of God. Last year, we took our, this, our team from Matthew 4, verse 4, uh, if I remember correctly. Living by every word of God. And we took time. Looked at every word of God from every angle. It is indeed very important for us to know the word of God. But I tell you one thing. Be careful. The scripture did not say in vain that the letter killeth and the spirit giveth uh, life. If you have the word of God without the spirit of God, it will kill you. And that is why there's one celebrity that once said, Oh, the Bible is the worst book ever written. Because you and I know better, you will blame her. But look, what she's saying, if you are not a child of God, if you don't have the spirit of God, you will say the same. So for those who are perishing, the word of God is rubbish. So when you study the word of God without having the spirit of God, it will not profit you anything. The word of God can only profit you when you have the spirit of God inside you. Without the spirit you can do nothing. In Romans 8 we remember. He said even to pray you cannot pray. To study the word of God you cannot. There is nothing you can do without the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus said tarry in Jerusalem until you receive that Holy Spirit. I will send you that comforter who will guide you into all truth. For apart from him you will not be able to do anything. So as important as the word of God is. If you have the word of God without the spirit, it's not a sure sign that your name is written in that book. Because some of us pride, we have read the Bible six times, three times, ten times, and therefore, who are you to tell me I'm not a child of God? When Satan tempted Jesus in that Matthew 4, what did he use? Word of God. When he tempted Eve in Genesis, what did he use? Satan knows the word of God. If knowing the word of God is a sure proof that you're a child of God, then all the professors of religion are. Even the echists and some of these people in all these uh, metaphysical religion, they read the word of God without having the spirit of God in them. And therefore they acquire knowledge that kills them. So if you're here and all you have is that I read the word of God, I study the word of God, but the spirit behind the letter is not in you, it will not profit you anything. The same goes for some of us. It is our giving. The church in the village, I was the chief luncher. The one in town, I'm the chief luncher. I've been donating generously to the work of God. But giving is very dangerous because if you don't give rightly, it will kill you. The first death in Genesis resulted from giving. is Cain and Abel. The first death also in New Testament resulted also from giving. 
Ananias and Sapphira. Giving is very dangerous. If you don't handle it carefully, it can also destroy you. So that you give is not a, a, a sure sign that you are a child of God. A lot of people presume that because they have given so much to the work of God, therefore I am now a believer and my name is written in the book of life. It is not true. You may give like Ananias and Sapphira, and if God is not in, in good mood, you will be a dead fellow that day. Praise the Lord. Praise Master Jesus. And so what are we saying this morning? God wants us to get our priority right. He wants us to rejoice. But he wants us to rejoice, first of all, for the first reason, that our names are written in the book of life. And he wants us also, if you are rejoicing for the wrong reason, oh, I have presumed all these years that I'm born again, but I am not. I found out from what we shared this morning, that what I think is a qualification for my name written in heaven is not that. Then, as the altar call is being made this morning, I want you to come and surrender your life and ask God for the grace to help you to know what it means to be a child of God and to serve Him true and true. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I think um, we have had enough this morning. We'll be making an altar call. You have listened to me. It's not a very long sermon, but... The, the efficacy of a sermon is not in its length. I want you to search your heart. Am I truly a child of God? Do I have the Spirit of God in me? Is Jesus number one in my life or am I still in control of my life? If you have believed wrongly that you are a child of God because you have answered an altar call, or because you have read some portions of the scripture, or because you have been given to the church, or because you have a very good voice when you sing, it looks as if the angels are singing. I want to remind you this morning that Lucifer was the leader of the cherubim and seraphim, yet today his name is not written in that book. It's not about what you have done or not done. It's about you surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Making him Lord and Savior over your life. If you need to give your life to Christ, may you signify by raising your hands as many as are willing to surrender their life to him. My prayer, my sincere prayer, is that as we live here, all of us will be qualified. Qualified. Qualified to enter the kingdom of heaven. As many as we are not before entering here, that as they live here, that nothing in eternity will stop them from making heaven. As many as are hearing my voice or will ever hear it, that nothing will make them to be disqualified from making heaven. This topic was put here at the end of November, before Advent Sunday, that as we've been talking about prepare to meet your God, we will be sure that we are not just talking over our head. We'll be sure that we who have been hearing this, prepare to meet your God, have actually got the qualification to be able to meet with him. And that is that our names are written in heaven. If you are raising your hand where you are, please stand. And if you are not yet raising your hand, 
And you do not have the witness in your spirit that you are a child of God. You will know when there's a change. You will know that's the only way to have answered an altar call and known that you now belong to God. There will be a witness in your spirit that you are a child of God. If you don't have it, please I ask of you, could you kindly stand where you are? The essence of today is to make sure that no one who has been here again and again, hearing prepared to meet your God right under the nose, is slipping away to eternity. God will not in any way excuse you for that. And so this morning, you don't have a witness that you are a child of God. Father, mother, child, there's nothing to be ashamed of, except on the last day when he would have eluded you. Do you have peace in your heart that you have escaped from the pieces of sin and the Spirit of God is in you? If you don't have that peace, kindly walk down to the altar. Let's pray together with you. You are taking the best and the most important decision of your life. And the Bible says, you believe with your heart unto righteousness. You confess with your mouth unto salvation. Therefore, at this moment, I want you, as you believe with your heart that you are a sinner and you are righteous, I cannot help you. They are like filthy rats before God. And you also believe that Jesus paid the price for you. And because he shed his blood, that's why he's saying, except your name is written in my book, you ain't going nowhere. You are entering not because I have paid with my blood. And you believe him to ask him to come into your life. That the work he did on Calvary was for you. To cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And you ask him to come into your life. And be your Lord. And be your Savior. Repeat this prayer after me. Father in heaven, I thank you. You love me. And sent Jesus to come, live, and die on the cross, and shed his blood for my sake. He's now seated at your right hand, waiting for me to come back. Today, with my heart, I surrender. My whole life, I surrender. I believe in you. I confess of my past life that has not been worthy before you. I repent of it. I turn away from there. I turn to you. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me your child. Write my name in your book of life. And give me the power to be your child. And to live with you and for you the whole of my days on earth. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Lord, as many as receive you, to them you give power, who believe on you, who have called on you, who know that of their own they can do nothing, and they have asked you to come, be their Lord and their Savior. You gave them the power to become your children. They do not grow into it. We do not assume it. We do not acquire it from training. We do not learn it in school. We are not conferred with degrees. We come of our own decision. 
And we are given this power, the change, the transformation that makes a man and a woman different. Lord, as these your children have stood out by faith, cause even that change that you bring about that no man knows how it goes and how it comes, except by the working of your spirit, that the old will pass away in their lives and that all things will become new in the name of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we ask you, confirm in their spirit, by your spirit, that they belong to you. And let the old pass away, and let joy unspeakable, and let the peace that passes all understanding, garrison their heart and their mind to live for you, and to stand on your state, even from today till eternity, with a radical difference in their lives, with a testimony that shows in the light. And with grace and identity that is of you. Empowered by your spirit. Every single day of their life. Take all the glory. And cause your hands of mercy upon their lives. To remain until eternity. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you Lord Almighty. As you cause them to live. Walking in your power and mercy. The rest of the days of their lives. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.